clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, how are you today? I'm all right. Yeah? I'm all right. Everything's yeah. going well for you? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> I'm tired, but that's normal. I mean, when are you not tired? I don't think I've ever talked to you when you're not tired. It's true. I just, all, you know, I thought tired. that I'd pull back a little bit on the witty banter in our opening this time and just see how you were doing, how you were feeling. Thank you. I appreciate your concern. I'm well. How are you doing? And we are back, folks, here at the University of Pleasure. Got a new topic for everybody going back to the classic format from days gone by. But before we do that, it's all about announcements. Don't forget to check out the Amy book. It's out there. Kelly Dornimack's wife is actually the narrator on the audiobook, and she's brilliant. Check it out. Leave us a review. Let us know. First book coming through the University of Pleasure Publishing. Very exciting stuff. Hope you all enjoyed it. And of course, written by the brilliant Autumn Karen. We got to have Autumn back on. I want to have Autumn yeah, back Autumn's on. Yeah, Autumn's great. We'll yeah. find a topic that Autumn wants to talk about. Yes. I love this because I love her and I love you and I would love to have all of us back on here together. Well, the first, do you remember the first time we had Autumn on? We had this like recording and we were jamming so hard and then we recorded it and then we left and then you were like, hey, ladies, yeah. rough news. Rough news. I... What happened? Was it, it was just total crap audio quality wise? So there was, was that, so, yeah. Listen, that was in the early days. And basically. I was in a closet yeah, at that point, like yeah. <laughs> through like, I don't know, like an iPhone speaker. I'm pretty sure. It was brutal. There was no, I tried for like, I don't know how, it was like five hours. I tried to like fix it. So the audio quality was at least somewhat decent. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. We got to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, which is never easy it. because you're a busy person and you got a lot going no, well, on. And it, was, and it was still and great. Yeah, it was still great. Autumn's fantastic. But the first time around, we had had that like nerd girl magic, you know, yes, just like so jamming. Good. And then all of a sudden we were like, oh, but that was so magical. Let's recreate it. Can't. It was lightning in a harder. bottle, lightning in a bottle. <laughs> and then it was gone. And then, listen, so it was still it awesome, but we got to have her on, let you girls nerd out again. Uh, and I'll just sit and listen, because I loved that episode, and I love Autumn, and like I said, you and Mom about love today. But um, check out the Amy book. Of course, don't forget, if you want to leave us a message on our phone number, 917-382-0653, or hit us up at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And don't forget to check out the newest Shoot the Shit. Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit Podcast. You can find it on our website. There's links to it. It's everywhere now. You can get it on Apple iTunes and Amazon, Spotify. It's everywhere. 
So go speaking check that of, out. Speaking of just nerd, nerd village, it's just. <laughs> it's a super nerd village. It's like we a super intellectual just... nerds, like they're hardcore smarty pants, all of them. Uh, I, it, it's just a total sex nerd out is pretty much what it's like just a bunch of sex nerds getting together being like oh let's get nerdy about sex well Which, you know here's you know. the funny thing it's really fun to listen to even though again i'm not in it and i haven't been invited on as a guest but listening to it i have to say it is really fun if you ever wanted to know like what these people talk about who like studied this and became doctors <laughs> Like just to get an idea. Like in, our free, like in our free time, what the hell do we talk about? Yeah, like what what is happening when these people get together? It's pretty authentic, together? actually. It's, it's hysterical. It's, it's pretty authentic. So check it it's out. We talk. Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. Episodes come out once a month. Check it out. It's on the website. And that is everything we have today for our announcements. And we got this new topic. I'm interested. I'm open. I'm full of love. And I'm ready to receive information, Doc. Okay. Can you tell I've been Good. using the Calm app? I've been like trying, I'm like, namaste. I'm like, I'm trying to center myself a little bit more and spread a little bit more love to our right. millions and millions of fans out there, and especially you. Because right. despite it all, I love you, Doc. Namaste. Oh. Okay. Love you too, Chair and I. Oh, namaste. thanks, Doc. Oh, that felt so nice. Okay. Today's topic, folks. The magic in mediocrity, unwinding ourselves from the web of exceptionalism. Interesting topic. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what it means. Um, that's why I'm going to need you to explain it to me because I don't, I don't, not, look, look, this is America. Second place is the first loser. I want the gold medal in the Olympics. I want to be great. I want to be exceptional. I don't want to just be a good lover. I want to be a great lover, right? I want to be the greatest that ever was. I want people yeah. to remember me for all time. Like, oh my God, I never thought someone could do that to me forever. He's emblazoned in my mind. You know what I mean? And so now you're like, Let's do a topic about how great mediocrity is. And yeah, like, it's a bit of a mind bend, right? I don't. Okay. I'm excited specifically to talk about this with you. <laughs> <laughs> specifically, well, I was writing it going, Mwahaha. Oh, I'm very God. excited. All right. Well, let's dive in. What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> All right. So, yes, it, it, it's a topic about finding the magic in mediocrity, which seems very counterintuitive, but right. it does have a point. So maybe that's to start out with the idea of like, what is exceptionalism, right? So exceptionalism is really just like a fancy word for like the experience of being special or unique or exceptional right. in some right. kind of way. And to your earlier point, Jeremiah, there's also like a greater sort of definition of exceptionalism that's more about like country, right? Like national yes, exceptionalism. Like American like, exceptionalism. Yeah. You know, um, you the great sort of, shining I, city on the hill. Yeah, like and and it, it's it's something that's worth talking about, especially, you know, our podcast. Other people listen actually from other countries. We yes, know that, which yes, is highly exciting to us. But here in America, as people may have been made aware, <laughs> we <laughs> have a tendency as a country to really intensely promote the idea of exceptionalism, right? Yes. That you need to be special. You need to be exceptional. You need to be unique in some kind of really um, specific way. Otherwise, that's a problem. Right. And I'm going to talk about why that idea is maybe unhelpful. Okay. 
Okay, well, let's, you're going to just break down my entire being, but that's fine. Continue. And Why is that the, not helpful? This is, that's what this is about. We break it down to build it back up. Oh, that's God. what we do. That's I didn't come on here do. to do the work. That's why I have Sandy. I go to Sandy for this. I don't need to do it twice. All right. <laughs> All right. So why do I want to talk about this? Well, because it can, I want to talk about it from two frameworks and I promise I will do my best to keep it concise, which is very hard for me. So the first framework is that it can really have a pretty drastic effect on our sexual lives. Um, and we're going to talk about that, about how it maybe impacts sexual health. But then the other piece is it also actually can have a really big impact on our mental health and our general sense of well-being. Okay. And so I'll talk about the sexual stuff first since we are the University of Pleasure. I was going to say, let's, let's start there. We'll start there. But, um, you know, this general pressure that we put on ourselves and frankly is also externally put on our, us to be unique or amazing in some kind of way can really can create a lot of unhelpful sort of thinking sometimes. Okay, okay, and I'm listening. And a lot of really unrealistic expectations. So when it comes to sex, and we've actually talked about this kind of peppered in, in previous podcasts, is that people really, really seem to expect that sex should always be good, if not great. And if it's not, people often start to get really worried then that something is very wrong. Got it. Right. Um, and like one of the and, and here's the problem. People don't actually know like like what it is that they're looking for that actually defines great. They just go, well, I don't feel fireworks and I'm not experiencing what I see in the movies or what I'm imagining that other people are experiencing. And also, as an aside, this is part of a problem that people don't really talk. We talk about sex a lot, but we don't actually talk about it like in meaningful ways in which people are talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sure, right, when it right, comes right, right. To sex, I right? mean, we do here, but people we do don't. Here. Yes, generally speaking, some people do a great job with it, but a lot of people, if they talk about it, are going to be often more inclined to speak about sexual successes or even sometimes amplify what those successes might look like because they're like, oh, well, that's, that's what's supposed to be happening, right? So let me... <laughs> Right. Really focus on or even kind of talk about those. And then I'm going to maybe be less inclined or even sheepish about talking about the struggles that I have had. And unfortunately, what that creates is this like sort of belief system and this expectation set that like you should be having really easily identifiable, amazing sex. And if you're not, your sex life is broken or you are broken. Right. In some kind of way. Right. Which we talk about a lot here. And so, okay. So now I, okay. I'm a little bit more on board now. Now I kind of get what you're, what this topic is about. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. Cause yeah, cause it's not always about, we've talked about that a lot. You know, like uh, one of the things you always talk about is like, you know, uh, getting to an orgasm, right? Well, if you don't get to an orgasm, like all the stuff leading up can still be the fun. That's the sex. That's great. But if you don't get there, it's not a fail, right? So like, you know, all the things that we've talked about on the podcast before. So yeah, I'm with you. Like it, it doesn't yeah. always have to be the greatest sex of your life to be a wonderful experience and, and you know, setting those expectations so high. Okay, okay. I'm on board. That's all I was trying to say. Continue. Got it. Right. Well, but you know what's really interesting, right? People don't like it when you tell them, well, I think you might have to get okay with the majority of your sex being just okay, fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, because we don't love that idea because we, we often, not all of us, but a lot of us have become really attached, whether we realize it or not. And this is like some more deeper sort of social psychology to this idea of exceptionalism. Right. That like, we must be great at things, like whether that's our own sexual performance or the sexual experience, the sexual experiences we're having need to be amazing and just like the best. But some folks like legitimately, I talk to so many people about their sexual lives. And one of the most common concerns people come in with is like, not every time we're being sexual is great. And that makes me really scared, right? Sometimes it's just okay. Actually, a lot of time it's just okay. And I'm like, cool. That's called average. And that's pretty, that's <laughs> most my... of, that's what the statistical curve means, right? Like when you hear people talk about the normative curve, what that means is like the majority of your experiences often are going to probably be just okay. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be great. Less will be, oh my God, that was the most amazing. And similarly, on the other end of the spectrum, some will be not so good. Some will be bad. And some will be, you know, really, really bad. Right. But the majority of them, right, are probably going to be somewhere in that like, okay to fine. And the interesting thing is, is the more you watch people sort of accept that idea, they end up having better and better sexual experiences. Well, right. So actually, uh, that would totally make sense because if you're taking away the idea that everything's got to be outrageously great all the time and you were just kind of, you know, accept the fact that it's not always great all the time, then you have places to go, highs and lows, right? Am I? Is that kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, here? like, well, part of it too is like the thing around expecting something to be great is that, you've now set a bar that's much higher to jump. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay, I'm with you. Yep. And if you don't hit it, you're going to be disappointed. Versus right. if you set your bar more at like a realistic level, Right. you might way surpass it and then be really pleased. You might have this, your, it's really this idea that your frame of mind about something impacts your experience of it drastically, sure. right? Yep, yep. And that's often what we forget is like our thinking about a thing the way that we think about a thing and the way that we pose it in our mind often has a really big impact on then how we experience it later. Right. And from a further sort of perspective, the more someone is expecting things to be great or feeling like they really need to be great, then the more pressure it puts on a situation. That and totally makes about, sense. That totally and makes we've sense. We've talked about this in a hundred thousand different ways on this podcast. Pressure rarely is uh, the thing that really ups the like ups the eroticism, ups the ante on something being sexy. Right. Like that's a great way to have more sexual dysfunction, more sexual conflict, more just sexual struggles, generally speaking. Okay. So can I, I'd like to actually give a really specific example of how something like this could play out. I just, would really love a specific example. I would love the doc to be specific. <laughs> Okay. So if you think about maybe, let's think about people who've maybe waited a really long time to be sexual. Okay. okay? Maybe that's because of religious beliefs or values or simply because they were having a hard time finding a sexual partner. Okay. Right. It, it could be a variety of reasons that somebody's either waiting or having to wait a really, really long time to be sexual. Well, what often happens then in that experience is that it's built up to be this like, really big thing, 
right? Mm-hmm. Sure, it's sure. going to be this really big magical thing because people are waiting or waiting and waiting, you know, and what happens is then the first time they're sexual or some of their first sexual experiences are as an aside, like most people's sexual first time sexual experiences. And we actually talked a bit about this in the last, the most recent episode, mm-hmm. awkward, weird, not right. That good. Right. Right. And so all of a sudden now they're worried. This was supposed to be great because I really attached to it in my mind as something that was supposed to be great and excellent. And it's not. So what's wrong with me? Right. Or what's wrong with us? Yes. That it's not. Okay. And and that would be a really concrete example about how like really putting a lot of pressure on something being exceptional can start to actually create issues for us. Okay. Um, the other way, and I'm going to tell you, this shows up. The other reason, why am I talking about it? These beliefs show up so much in my office, Jeremiah so much right Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it also like it comes up also relationally where people can feel like the sexual relationships they're they're in and really good solid relationships are not working because they're not feeling like things are like super magical or special right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know it, it really starts to impact again a person's experience of it um one of the things i think maybe in opera i can't remember um, but it's kind of abstract, but there's research out there on this idea between sexual destiny beliefs and sexual growth beliefs. Sexual, explain, yep. explain Lucy, because yep. I'm confused. So sexual destiny beliefs are this belief of like these beliefs that are similar to the idea of like, oh, we fell in love. I like you and you like me. So sex should be good. It's destined to be good. But sexual growth beliefs are people that have beliefs that like, oh, sex is work. We got to put work into it being good. It's not always going to be good. They assume that it's not always going to be good. And they're like, yeah, that's something we got to work on because you don't just automatically get good. Of which group of people, which belief set, which do you think have better, more uh, like have higher uh, sex Sexual satisfaction scores in their life and less sexual I distress. mean, it's guaranteed. It's got to be the people who are like not expecting it to be good that they have to work at it to make it good. Yes. They got to put in the yeah. effort. Yeah. And so it's kind of like no doubt research where it's like, oh, of course. But here's the problem is a lot of us actually don't think in that, oh, of course way. <laughs> right. Okay. When you, when you say it out loud, it's like, yeah, of course, the people that think it's going to be work are the people that have a better sexual life. But very interestingly, that's not how the majority of people think about it. Gotcha. More people sort of like, this should be good because we care about each other. This should be good because sex is supposed to be easy. And that's where people can really run into a lot of struggles. And, you know, what's very interesting, and I've actually had clients I've worked with over the years, many times over, sometimes it can also cause people to really sort of make choices and decisions that are counterproductive to their goals. Like, so an example would, an exa- do you have a question? No, I was just oh, listening. Um, oh, um, so <laughs> one, it always shocks me. Um, when, wow. uh, just kidding. Um, when, let's say somebody is really expecting that the sex should be really, really good. And that's sort of a belief set that they have, right? And let's say they start dating. 
sometimes it can cause, and I've actually clients who've really struggled with this, people to bail too soon on a relationship or miss out on a great sexual partner because the experiences that they were having weren't meeting, which were frankly way too high of expectations. Okay. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. I'm with you. I'm on board. Right. And so some people, it can actually lead them to start like chasing sort of this, like, I guess I'd call it like a sex unicorn. Right. <laughs> like, like they're, and then they're often left feeling dissatisfied because whatever their expectation is, is one of like, whatever is happening needs to be exceptional or it needs to be um, really special and it needs to feel special. And the reality is like, sometimes, sometimes that, Uh, You used the phrase lightning in a bottle earlier, right? Sometimes that lightning in a bottle occurs, but oftentimes things are not this jolt of energy, like this, you know, this like lightning bolt that hits somebody. It's a really often a slow build. And sometimes it even begins as something that's kind of like just a tiny little seed. Huh. You're interesting to me. Right. You know, right, right, right. And every... And everybody connects differently, but the irony is, is the more pressure people put on it to feel big, to feel amazing, then often the more they actually miss out on things that are big and amazing. Oh, look at this. Okay. Okay. I I like this. Okay. So if you're putting all this pressure on yourself to have this amazing experience over here, you might miss out on all this great stuff over here that actually is amazing because you've set the bar so high, it's like unattainable. Mm-hmm. And because you're shooting for the moon, you're not landing in the stars. <laughs> sure, yeah, you know? great. So, yeah. I got you. Okay, this is a good it's, topic, Doc. I like yeah, this. And it's an issue in patience as yes. well. We like immediate gratification and it's also an issue in patience. Well, Doc, but, that's my MO. I mean, I want it now. <laughs> Just give me a pill. Let's make this work. I'm happy to be fixed. So this is really, really good. All right. And what's the, you know what? Before we go into the sex part, let's, uh, the second part, sex part. <laughs> let's take a break here and then we'll jump back in. What do you say? And you can give Sounds us good. the second part of this. All right. Sounds great. We'll be right back. And we're back talking about the magic in mediocrity, which I was uh, a little bit uh, on the fence about. Because as I was saying before, I like to win. I like to, you know, we're, you know, this is part of the culture very, here. Uh, very Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. hundred percent. If you ain't first, you're last. I love that you brought up a Ricky Bobby. Thank you for that. That made my day. Yeah, which ironically, and spoiler alert, and if you haven't seen it, it's been around a long time. At the end of the movie, the dad's like, what are you talking about? I was drunk when I told you that. I was probably like high on crystal meth. So that wasn't, or I don't remember the line, but it was something to that effect. <laughs> so true. He's like, that's ridiculous. There's also second and third and fourth. <laughs> and fifth. All perfectly acceptable positions in life. <laughs> correct. Correct. And so, yeah, we are unwinding ourselves from the web of exceptionalism today. So Doc has a part two to that. So let's jump back in. Okay. So this is actually, I think, the part that, you know, we've talked a little bit more about how it impacts people's sexual lives, but this is more about like, how does it impact people's overall mental health? Yes. This is what I want to know. Like, I'm ready here because, I mean, 
I've been on this path of like, I want to win. I want to, I want to be great. I want the number one podcast. I want to be an award winner. I want, I want to be the greatest lover that's ever been like, am, am I, do I need fixing here? Fix me. Let's go. I'm ready. Well, uh, yeah. I don't know that it's anyone needs fixing, but it might be helpful to think about it. I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about me. It's not about oh, everybody. Yeah. Come on. How shocking. How shocking. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I sincerely cannot even view how many times as a therapist and as a clinician, I've had someone say something. I mean, countless thousands of times, somebody say something to the effect, like really struggling with their mental health or their sense of self-esteem, self-worth etc. Say something to the effect of, well, there's just not really anything special about me. There's nothing about me that's very special or exceptional in any kind of way. And how feeling that way really is impacting how they feel about who they are. And the funny thing is often, not funny, but unfortunate, really, when you start investigating, well, what makes you feel like there's nothing about you that's special or exceptional? It's often about like, well, look and look at so-and-so they're doing this, right? Like these very like sort of cherry picked little, like, you know, I'm not a YouTube sensation or I'm not, right. a, uh-huh. you know, I'm not LeBron James, or I don't have any super special talents. Often it's really associated with like things like some type of exceptionalism that someone would get a lot of attention for. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you get what I'm saying? Yep. hundred percent. And, you know, it's not surprising that this is a problem (laughs) because we do get set up for this culturally in many ways, right? You were bringing up like, I totally agree. You know, I, I, I want to be very honest, okay? I lived in England for like three years, okay? And uh, it, there was a very different – that was one of the first things that I kind of started experiencing culturally. Like in England, uh, you know, in America, you want to win – like I always joke, you know, I want to win first prize. I want to be the best. I want to be that. And in England, that's not the mentality culturally by and large. You know, people aren't – it's not about exceptionalism and being the greatest. It's like, no, like fifth place is great. Good for you. You did that. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> and, like why people find watching the British Bake Off so soothing comparative to the great. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Comparative to like our like super like have you ever like watched the British British Bake Off like compared to some of our cooking shows? No, but I, I like, can imagine. Which are like so like like I like Top Chef or something like super cutthroat. Who's throwing who under the bus? Like yeah. you know. It's just, but then you have something like the British Bake Off that's like, hey, I'll help you. Oh, I won! I can't believe that I won today. But <laughs> you know, you also did so good. <laughs> like, there's just a like this. Everyone that like talks about the British Bake Off is like it's so calming and it's so soothing because part of what they're not doing in there is yeah, they all want to do well. But they're not necessarily like it doesn't seem so desperate to be the best. There's that it's missing. At least most of the people on that show, I maybe mean, partially it's maybe how they curate it, seem like they're missing that desperation well, around it. Yeah, like, it, oh, I'm a... just happy to be here mentality. Right. Right. And and that's but what authentic. I really experienced living there was that it was like, you know, I was doing a, a musical and I remember being very uh concerned it was a very hard sing. Uh, for me as a performer. It was a very challenging role. And I kept going to the MD because I wasn't getting notes. And the MD is the music director. So I kept going to him like, hey, you know, this is a very famous song. I want to make sure I'm getting it right. And, and he would be like, it's fine. 
And I was just like, okay, it's fine. What does that mean? Do I need to change this? I felt like I was a little weird here and I felt maybe I could do this better. And he was like, no, Jeremiah, it's fine. Like, <laughs> he just kept repeating it and looking at me like with this look of confusion because I'm like, okay, I understand that it's fine, which in my brain means like bad, bad. Like that's like, you I know. need to be hearing that I'm good or it's great. Or yeah. what the hell are we talking Clearly, about? Clearly, right I'm not doing a very good job if it's just fine. It, that means it's not exceptional. That means it's not the best of the best. It means it's just low brow, not good. And he was like, no, you are doing fine, which means you're always consistent and it's really wonderful and it sounds really nice and it's fine. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what's happening. But that's such a good example, Jeremiah. Like that's such a good example, right? Like part of our cultural web that we've woven here is fine equals bad. Right. We have this association that being just okay or something being fine means that it's bad. If it's not good, it's bad. We've gotten in a really often, many of us, not all of us, have gotten in a very unfortunate dichotomy with that. That like Doc, I don't oh. know if you remember, I used to wear there's clothing used to be called No Fear. Do you remember No Fear? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dude, I oh, loved yeah. No Fear. I had no fear everything. I thought I it was I feel zero the, shock at that. Yes. Oh, I loved No Fear, right? And one of my one of my favorite No Fear hats was second place is the first loser. No fear. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, I, like this is engraved in my brain, Doc. Like, yeah. You and know. you were also wearing that and other people reading it and unconsciously ingraining it in their brains. That's you were right. advertising that message for no fear, which you also bought and purchased. 100%. It's, and even like when I watch the Olympics and I feel like an asshole because I know as a grown up, that's not, you shouldn't really think that way. But then I see somebody and they're like, you know, getting a parade because they got silver medal like they were second place in the world standings of the olympics and i'm like nah but it's not gold second place yeah. the first loser no fear yeah like it's yeah. like part of exactly. my brain says that to me mm -hmm. that, it can't be healthy right I, I don't i mean i think that's what we're trying to dismantle here i don't know that it is okay <laughs> i think it will and i think that it's a problem right because it can really impact how we feel about ourselves because here's the thing about being exceptional. Let's talk about what exceptional actually means. Exceptional means that it is incredibly far out of the norm that is an exception to the rule. And guess what everyone cannot be? We can't all be exceptional, Doc. Right, and here's the problem. Like some people are exceptional in very specific ways, but we have this tendency to like define people by a single thing and assume that the part equals the whole, right? Like, so what I mean by that is like, we can see somebody that's like, let's say a celebrity and we can go, oh, well, they have a lot of money and notoriety or like, you know, celebrity, people know who they are. Therefore they are exceptional, but they're still a whole person. You've got no idea the other weaknesses or struggles that that person might have. It's like, you know, in the media and I, not to get, like really dark here with this, but like there's often like there's been lots of celebrity drug overdoses or suicides. And then people are like, oh my God, like I can't believe that they had everything. And it you say, you don't know someone's life, right? They right. were exceptional in a specific way. And then there was another, there were other areas in their lives that were also maybe really hard or right. just okay. And we make these massive assumptions. Um, 
because part of what we tend to do, and we've talked about this a bit before, is it's just part of human nature. We compare. We yes. compare a lot. And when here's the, the problem. We can't all be exceptional in all areas of our lives. That's just like not a thing. But when we compare to others, we typically are actually comparing a singular facet of who we are to a singular facet of who someone else is. And we talked about this before in the podcast. People are diamonds, not coins, right. multifaceted, right? right? Like there's an infinite number of facets that we have as a person. So an example of this is let's say you're sitting in a, in a music show and you're watching someone perform and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know, and someone's really amazing as a musician and you're sitting there and you're thinking like, I mean, I'm not that. What's wrong with me that I'm not that? Right, but, sure. Right? But what you're sitting there and doing is comparing a singular facet of who you are, i.e. your musical ability, with a singular facet of who they are, i.e. their musical ability. But you have no idea how you compare on other facets, right? Like you might be much better at managing your emotions. I don't know, holding on to romantic relationships, frisbee golf, who the hell knows, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the problem is, is we are looking at singular facets, but treating them as a whole. And then it reflects on how we feel as a whole. Right. I know that's kind of complicated. Does no, that I'm, no, Doc, I, actually, it's not complicated at all. It might seem complicated to you because it's so uncomplicated, but it's not <laughs> complicated to me. <laughs> because what you're basically saying is like, look, okay, so like I, I'm really good at like working on cars, right? I'm really good at this. These are things that I do well, right? I can do these things. I'm mechanically inclined, right? But then you look at somebody else who's uh, really inclined, like, uh, you know, the person that you... Uh, really look up to, like you were saying, a musician, right? So they're really genius at that. And that's the one thing they're great at, right? But you don't know the other things that they're not great at that you might be better at or whatever. You know, you or don't they're know just the okay at. That they're just okay at, right? So you might be an okay musician and awesome at working at cars, right? I mean, I happen to be both, but I'm not. it's not about me. We're not talking about – I'm humble enough to use myself and say if I wasn't also a great musician. But my point is, Doc – is that there's balance there. And I think anybody who's listening to us here at the University of Pleasure can understand, like, what you're saying is we compare in general to others, right? They might be amazing at this, but they might only be okay at that. You might be amazing at this, and, and you know nothing about the other aspects of their lives, and you might be really amazing at something that they're not amazing at, which they right. could look at and go, wow, they're really exceptional at working on cars, right? So, like, it's, I wish I could it's do that. Yeah, right. it's a tricky. So the, that that's part of what you know. The the famous quote is "Comparison is the thief of joy," right? Say and that again. Comparison is the thief of joy. I like that. It's not mine. I think it was like Roosevelt or somebody. I could be wrong. I have but... no idea, but whoever it is, we're stealing it. Let's put it no, on a T-shirt. No, we're not. It's well established, and there's a lot of documentation that it is not ours. Well, we can <laughs> still take it and say that you know Roosevelt said it or whoever it was. We'll do research <laughs> on that doc. Uh, we'll put a pin in it for later. Great. Great. Um, but, you know, I, I think and I want to be very clear here because I'm not saying don't try hard at things or work to do well at something. But part of what can be really a trap for one's like mental health and happiness is to decide that to have any meaning as a person at all, you need to be exceptional at something. Right. And and I do say that because sincerely, this is one of the most common points of pain that people talk to me about. 
I'm not exceptional at anything. This belief that in order to have meaning, you need to have like something that's really exceptional about you or what you can do mm-hmm. is is a really unfortunate message, in my opinion, that we've created culturally for people. So, uh, and I, I'm looking at time, and I'm trying to be more time conscious. So uh, I have some good clo- job. Very good. I'm having some. Clo- I have some closing thoughts that are indeed closing thoughts on this topic. Okay. Okay. Some of the things, like what I'm talking about, is this is more of a life practice. This isn't like just do it and then you're done because we are sort of swimming against the current in terms of the pressure to be exceptional. But one of the things I like to think about is re- really trying to redefine what it means to be special. I often like to replace the word special with meaningful, right? Sure. Yeah. Because specialness is a really tricky word. Sometimes the most special things are the smaller, quieter things, not those things that garner a ton of attention from other people. They're those moments of intimacy that you have with another person, the kind thing that you did that actually made someone feel like they mattered that day. Like to me, that's the stuff. And you know, that stuff has meaning. How many likes your Instagram post gets, I guess it has meaning in another way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's more special than that kind thing you did for a friend. And then they called you after and said, thank you so much for helping me. Right, right, yeah. Um, That is special in its own way. And there are quiet ways to be quote unquote special, right? There are quieter, smaller ways. And I think trying to like recognize those things and also give those things credit in your life as being set. Like someone can be exceptionally kind or an exceptionally good listener or an exceptional friend. They don't need to be uh, a superstar, a superstar or a celebrity or like have some really specific talent that everyone goes, oh my gosh, did you know that so-and-so is the best at badminton around, you know, like you don't, that, I I think that that sort of, to a certain degree, it's a, what's the word that I want to use? It's, it's a distraction and it can be a really unhelpful sort of thing to get attached to. And I'm not saying it's easy to do that. It's hard. Like we all want to be seen as quote unquote, great. One of the, one of the worst things that I think we often do for like, uh, people as youth is like, give them like these really vague ass messages. Like you're going to be great someday. You're going to do, you're going to go on to do great things. Awesome. But that's super vague. And what happens is I talk to people as adults and they're like, well, I didn't do anything great. Well, how do you know that? Well, because we tell people you're going to be great or you're going to go on to do great things or you have so much potential. But then we don't even remotely define what, what great that, means. What great means, absolutely. Right? Because you know what? There's a really great. Uh, I know this is going to sound really silly, but there's a really great Disney movie that. Uh, what was it? What was it called? The one where Encanto. John, no, Encanto's oh, great, that, but John, the John Baptiste movie. Oh, Soul. Soul. Oh, soul, so good. It's so yeah. good about what you're talking about because that really really touches on it. Like this guy who constantly thought the only thing that would, you know, had to be this great jazz musician. And then, of course, he gets this retrospective of his life and you see all this other really incredibly great 
beautiful things that he does for students and his families and like yeah, all this other things. more meaningful in these quieter ways. That's right. And more meaningful in these quieter ways, but no less meaningful than being this great jazz musician. And it kind of puts this balance and everything. And it was so beautiful because that is so true, Doc. You know, we try so hard as a culture and, and you know, to to say, you know, you have, you're going to be great. You're going to be the best. But we don't really define what that is. You know, I know a lot of really great people in my life that are truly exceptional. And why are they exceptional? Because they're really wonderful friends or they were a really wonderful father or, you know, they were a really, you know, are they going to have a book written about, you know, the things that they did? No, but they were equally as exceptional as what Robert Redford did in his movie career which is just one career, you know, like it's just- And it's one specific type of way to be exceptional. Exactly. And so um, I love this. This actually yeah. is turning out to be one of my all-time favorite episodes because right. it is so true. And then, of course, transferring that into your sexual lives. Not everything is going to be an earth-shattering, over-the-top, exceptional sexual experience. Sometimes it's just going to be like, that was fun. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. You know? And and, it, and if you're setting the bar of expectation to be Robert Redford every time on his level of success from the movies and compare your sexual life to that, you're going to miss all these really incredible things, you know, uh, because it's really hard to reach that bar every single time, right? I have a quick, it's very brief, and we can close on it if you wish, story just about this, like, I guess a really a story about sort of this idea of like, what does it mean to be special or how can we redefine the idea of special? Um, this was probably about whoosh, now, maybe 2015, maybe probably like 15 years ago now. I was in San Francisco and I was riding around on this, um, a city bus. Um, they have a great public transit system yes, right, in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I was riding around the city bus and I had a quite a long <laughs> ride actually. And the bus driver on this bus, this guy, everybody that came on the bus clearly had driven for it for a very long time. And everyone that came on knew him. He was asking people about their kids and their lives. And they would ask him about his life and he'd talk about his kids. And this guy's attitude was just so infectious, right? It, it was sort of like, and I remember distinctly sitting there 15 years ago going, now this guy, <laughs> I figured out something here. There is something exceptional about this man that's driving this bus. That's right. right. He is connecting with people in a way that you rarely see. And here's something I want to point out. I remember a bus driver 15 years later, maybe more, just because of how he interacted with the people around him. Yes, not, Doc. Yes. Not because he was. He probably wouldn't remember me at all, right? I met him on one bus ride, barely interacted with him. But what I observed was somebody that was exceptional, but it was in a very different way than we culturally define exceptionalism. Yep. And you I know, still think about him and tell that story all the time. I love that, Doc. I really, really do. You know, and I was actually talking to my wife about something last night as I was leaving the theater that I'm currently doing a show in in New York. And 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 the gentleman who is the, the doorman for the... Uh, uh, for the theater. So here are these, you know, big celebrities coming in and out of the theater, right? And and this gentleman is is our doorman, and but he is exceptional. What an exceptional spirit! He is so kind and so wonderful, and 
talking with him every day lifts my spirits in ways I can't even tell you. And he checks us in. He makes sure that, you know, if there's food deliveries and all this other stuff to the theater. But just like your bus driver, Doc, truly just an exceptional man. And the way that he interacts with everybody and the kindness and love that he radiates and shares, everybody knew him because I've never worked in this theater specifically, but people who've worked there before, like, of course, he's the best. Yeah, he's the most wonderful. He's well known and renowned for being this exceptional, wonderful, kind man who is the doorman. Then you look at that and say, you know, you're a you know, big Broadway theater and you know, it's the doorman, just like your bus driver. Is it exceptional in a way of Robert Redford's career? No, it's different, but it's just as equally exceptional. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing that story about the bus driver. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I really, I, I just think it's, and it's hard. And I'm not saying we are in a constant of messaging, right? Around, especially social media has really amplified it. Oh, a it's lot amplified. It's like, you well. know, I, it's so funny because I watch now all the time, you know, you're walking through Times Square and, and uh, you're seeing people with their cell phones out and everybody's trying to be a supermodel, be the most exceptional, <laughs> you know, uh, Instagram person or, you know, uh, social media influencer. And, and uh, it, I, I can only imagine what you deal with, uh, how that has amplified it and you've seen it be amplified. Right. Well, and that's part of like, just to close it up here, right? Like part of the magic. I, I understand. In, like it, she must, you must be like, you got a hot date? Cause like. I do. You, I got stuff to do, you know? Like, I'm, no. <laughs> like, hey, I don't, I'm just I don't trying understand. to do what you Twilight asked. Zone? You're like, and I'm going to wrap I'm, this up. So. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to keep it tight. Keep All it right. clean. Go ahead. Um, but part of the, the magic in mediocrity is really about like working to accept like like it there's something very mentally healthy about some of the most mentally well-adjusted people i know are really good at knowing both their strengths and their weaknesses and accepting both and saying i'm just okay at this and you know what that's okay right like i know lots of people that are really creative folks and you know but <laughs> but that might be like yeah i, I do pottery it's terrible but i love it and that's there you right go. that's great there you go right? Well, like, I think I totally agree, Doc, that. here, that uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, but we're on a time crunch and I don't want to have to keep this podcast going. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, I think this is really wonderful. Magic and mediocrity, I, I do think that is uh, something that should go on a T-shirt. And I think it'd be a great conversation piece because it really has, it really made me feel great today because it really is so true, you know? If you're, if everything has to be the greatest, the best, and the best thing ever, then you're missing all of these really wonderful parts uh, of our sexual being that could happen. You know, if you're just, we're like, we have to work at it. We got to try to make it great and we got to be in it together. And sometimes it's just going to be, you know, a great 10 minutes. Other times it may be two hours of the sexual Olympics winning gold medals, but you know, Mediocrity is, you know, just having sex and having a connection just for that is great. And that's okay and wonderful. So I think this was wonderful. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for all that you do. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye? No, today I am done. Wow. All right. Well, listen, everybody out there, don't forget to check in on our phone line, which is 917-382-0653 or contact at universityofpleasure.com. Say hello to us and... Uh, Doc, thank you for everything that you do for so many. This actually really helped me personally, oh, uh, the Jeremiah James today. And I uh, hope it helped all of you. And remember, 
be kind to one another and uh, try to help each other out. Some of the best gifts you can ever give is to help other people. So um, have a great, great week. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. <laughs>